0: Hey everybody, welcome to a very special bonus episode of Waking Up to Narcissism. I'm your host, Tony Overbay. I'm a licensed marriage and family therapist. And today we have something very unique in store for you. I'm going to share an episode from a podcast that I co-host with my daughter, Mackie, who happens to be a 23-year-old hairstylist who is passionate about mental health and self-love. And this episode is called Alone But Not Really, Embracing Solitude. So you might be wondering, why solitude? How does this relate to navigating relationships with emotionally immature or narcissistic individuals? Or even trying to figure out your own emotional immaturity or potentially even narcissistic traits or tendencies? So let me tell you, that is far more connected than you might think. And I thought about this in the episode when we were recording this a couple of weeks ago. And I believe even in the episode itself, I, I think I say... Oh, I got to share this on waking up to narcissism. So, I know that many of you, especially those who have been in relationships with emotionally immature or narcissistic individuals, often feel alone, even if you're not physically alone. You can feel alone in a relationship, and you can feel misunderstood and undervalued, and a lot of times even invisible. But what if I told you that learning to embrace solitude could actually be a secret weapon in regaining your sense of self and confidence? Because in this episode, Mackie and I dive into this concept of solitude, and not as a negative state to be avoided, but as a powerful tool for self-discovery and personal growth and even empowerment. And we discuss the the difference, and this is key, the difference between loneliness, which is a state that's often filled with negative emotions, and then solitude, which is a more deliberate and positive experience that allows you to, to connect with your inner self And we cover some things that have been really profound even here on this podcast. We talk about uh, self-love deficit, how the fear of being alone can sometimes drive you into unhealthy relationships. And we explore how embracing solitude can actually sharpen your senses and then that can increase your productivity and allow you to operate from a place of greater confidence. So when I talk about those five things that we need to do if you're in a relationship with an emotionally immature or narcissistic individual... That first one is raise that emotional baseline so that you can get that PhD in gaslighting, get out of unproductive conversations, learn to set healthy boundaries and realize that you'll never give that person the aha moment. They have to come to that on their own. But that first thing is raising that emotional baseline. And so this can definitely help, can help uh, gain that, again, that self-confidence. And, and I really do feel like because if you felt small or less than in your relationship, that that raising of your emotional baseline, that confidence can really be a game changer, a tide turner. We're also going to touch on a couple of other topics like attachment trauma. We'll talk about some emotional immaturity and uh, this pyramid of, of self-love abundance from Ross Rosenberg, which includes self-respect, self-care, and self-acceptance. Because I think these are foundational aspects that will help you engage in healthier relationships. And one of the best parts about it, you can start to recognize red flags before they become major issues. So whether you're feeling alone in a crowded room, or you are struggling to find a place in a relationship that makes you feel less than, I really think you're going to find some things that you can connect with in this episode. Because it's really a reminder that you're not alone in your journey and that a lot of times being alone can be the best company that you can keep especially if you're in one of these challenging relationships. And honestly, I feel like for a while on whatever podcast I was on, hosting, uh, you name it, I found a good reason to read or quote my favorite poem and I haven't done it in a while. And I think it really fits here as well. It's one by Marianne Williamson. It's called Our Deepest Fear. But our deepest fear is not that we are inadequate. Our deepest fear is that we are powerful beyond measure. It's our light, not our darkness that most frightens us. And We ask ourselves, who am I to be brilliant, gorgeous, talented, fabulous? Actually, who are you not to be? You are a child of God. Your playing small does not serve the world. There's nothing enlightened about shrinking so that other people won't feel insecure around you. We're all meant to shine as children do. We were born to make manifest the glory of God that is within us. It is not just in some of us, it's in everyone. And as we let our own light shine, we unconsciously give other people permission to do the same. As we're liberated from our own fear, our presence automatically liberates others. So, when you're coming from a place of feeling small, when you're operating from a place of uh, burning your emotional calories, trying to figure out why it is so difficult to be loved, when I promise you that you are lovable exactly as you are, sometimes you need a break from the chaos, from wondering what's wrong with you, Because honestly, again, let's start with uh, nothing, actually. You are enough as you are. You deserve to be in a relationship that is absent of control and criticism and complaining. You really deserve to be in a relationship based on curiosity, love, kindness, connection, uh, collaboration, and safety. And I'm talking emotional safety, uh, physical safety, financial safety, religious safety, sexual safety. So I think learning to take a little time to just be, to embrace solitude, And you'll hear us talk about today might just be what you need to start to feel like you do have a little bit more um, control and momentum to get to that best version of you status that you deserve. So I'll have a link to the podcast, the mind, the mirror, and me in the show notes. Of course, I would love it if you would go follow and subscribe and listen to that podcast. I think we're nine or 10 episodes in and I really believe they are so good. I'm super grateful and, and proud of my daughter, Mackie. And I'll put links in the show notes as well to my new Waking Up the Narcissism Instagram account, as well as the regular one, and my daughter Mackie's account in there as well. So I really hope you enjoy this. I hope you have an amazing day. So without further ado, let's dive into this special episode alone, but not really embracing solitude. Enjoy. Backyardigans or Teletubbies?
1: Backyardigans. That Teletubbies are terrifying.
0: Have you, you seen do you, them before? Well, yeah. Tinky Winky, Poe, Teletubbies. Nope. I don't know. You already lost me. Backyardigans were good.
1: Backyardigans were good.
0: What about Wonder Pets? Lenny, Tuck, and Ming Ming. And Ming you. Ming, too. we Wonder Pets. Okay, what about the Koala Brothers? And Will Help You.
1: Are they the Australian ones?
0: Yeah, they're here to help. We're here to help. What when you babysit kids because you do that sometimes? What are they watching? What are the kids watching these days?
1: The kids these days they watch. uh, I've heard of this Bluey. Bluey. I've heard of this Bluey. Kind of the thing.
0: Have you watched Bluey?
1: I haven't, but I have like adult friends that enjoy watching it.
0: Do you know what is a Bluey a person or a thing or animal?
1: I think he's a dog. Ah,
0: kind of like Blue's Clues, perhaps. Hmm. Okay. Have you ever seen the Paw Patrol?
1: No, but there's like a movie about it. I
0: know. And it looked kind of good. And that's where I wish that I could (laughs) say, okay, this is the part you might have to edit out. I wish I could just find some (laughs) random kid I could take. Probably not what we want to say. Somebody needs to (laughs) give me a grandkid or something. (laughs) And not like a grandkid. Like I would, would probably need to be mine.
1: It'd be nice if you had a grandkid that you could take to it.
0: Yeah, pretend I started could have with that. You said it
1: like that. Yeah. You yeah. Could.
0: <laughs> not like, yeah, I'm trolling the streets trying to find a kid I can take to a movie and buy nope. candy. That's not good.
1: Nope. nope. I guess you could go by yourself.
0: Yeah, true. True. I've done that plenty of times. Jake would go? Jake would not go. <laughs> I could barely get him to go to Barbie. I loved okay. that movie.
1: Okay. Yeah, he hated that movie. He did. Um, we'll actually Here bring we... up that movie at one point in this episode.
0: Well, I get to say for the 900th time on your podcast, I am Kenaf.
1: I actually—that's your challenge. I okay. You need to, to not say it. No, to oh. say it. I need okay. you to find a spot to organically throw it in there.
0: Organically, that and the word rutabaga. Those—is that my challenge? Yeah. You have those
1: two words. I'm We're
0: down. not
1: ending until you get both of those in. Okay. Okay. Yes. So with that challenge set in place. (laughs) Welcome back to The Mind, The Mirror, and Me. I am your host, Mackie Overbay. um, And this is the podcast where I, a 23-year-old hairstylist, take on mental health, self-love, solitude, and more. And as usual, I am joined by licensed marriage and family therapist, Tony Overbay, who just so happens to be my dad. Hello, Mackie. Hello. Welcome. Um, So in that brief kind of intro of what the podcast is, I mention taking on solitude. Solitude. Solitude, Um, which for anyone that doesn't know, because I truthfully did not actually really know what that word meant until um, really, until we were starting the podcast and I was trying to put together some way to talk about loneliness in a not so negative way. Cause I was like, I don't want to just, I'm like, who's very lonely. I do (laughs) not want to say that. (laughs) So it's like,
0: enjoy solitude.
1: Yeah. Yeah. I was like, what's a way to say this? So solitude is the state of being alone or isolated from others, typically by choice, often for the purpose of reflection, relaxation, or finding inner peace. Mm. Solitude is different from loneliness, as it doesn't necessarily entail feelings of isolation or unhappiness. Instead, solitude can be a deliberate and positive experience, providing an opportunity for self-discovery, creativity, and personal growth. It's a state of being comfortable and content in one's own company, allowing for introspection and a break from the demands of social interaction. Okay, so it's a positive thing.
0: Oh, Mackie. Okay. I did not know what we were talking about. And you Uh told me that if I asked one more time, I would get fired. Is that true? (laughs) You did say that, right?
1: After your third time of asking. Okay. Which is fair. I did maybe mention that.
0: I just pulled up something that fits into this so well that I didn't really realize where we were going today. And now I'm kind of giddy. So I want to hear everything you have to say about it, but the therapist in me, has many things to say all, all in a good way.
1: And I'm hoping you do, because we're talking about loneliness and solitude here, this episode. And this is something that I am navigating and I'm trying to be more intentionally like leaning into solitude rather than just sitting around being lonely. But I'm very curious to hear your therapist stuff on it. I I know there has to be so much and I know that there have to be a lot of people that
0: get lonely and deal with being lonely I know I'm not the only one. (laughs) Let me plant like words and then I'll just step back because I want people to be uh, hanging on, you know. So there's a guy that I've had an opportunity to connect with, a, a gentleman named Ross Rosenberg, who wrote a book called The Human Magnet Syndrome that's about. What he refers to is in essence, these pathologically kind people that then find themselves in relationships with more narcissistic or emotionally immature people. And so it's almost because of this inability to sit with the discomfort of being with oneself that mm-hmm. then they almost give up of themselves to then put themselves in unhealthy relationships. And it harkens back to like our deepest fears of being alone and abandoned. Yeah. And so we would almost rather interact with another human being or an entity, period, even if it's unhealthy. Even if
1: it's terrible. In yeah, yeah, because
0: like at our core from childhood, here we go, is that then we almost feel like we don't exist if we're not interacting with another human. So we'll take yes. any interaction. And, and Ross Rosenberg calls that, it's the self-love deficit disorder. And I'll talk about later, there's a whole pyramid of self-love deficit and then He talks about this way to have this self-love abundance, which is the opposite of self-love deficit. And it is, honest to goodness, like becoming okay with this solitude and what you can learn Mm -hmm. from that. Oh, this is perfect, Mac. I'm I'm excited. For real.
1: Yeah. Okay. Okay. So before we keep moving on, just throwing out the definition of lonely. Okay. So we have the comparison there. But the term lonely is an adjective used to describe the feeling of being alone or isolated, often accompanied by a sense of sadness or lack of companionship. When someone says they're lonely, they're expressing a state of emotional discomfort or unhappiness due to the absence of social interaction or meaningful connections with others. Loneliness can be a temporary or ongoing feeling, and it can vary in intensity from mild to severe. It's important to note that feeling lonely doesn't necessarily mean being physically alone. A person can feel lonely even in the presence of others if they do not feel emotionally connected or understood, Hmm. which I think is big because this is. I'm coming at this from the perspective of somebody who is... Single and doesn't have a crazy busy social life, so my loneliness like comes from there. But you can also be in a relationship and be feeling lonely. Absolutely, total valid thing. Everybody feels this, yeah, at some point or another. Um, and so then just in in simpler words, loneliness is being alone and not liking it. It's a feeling. Solitude is being alone and content. It's a choice.
0: I like Which that. I like
1: because like a lot. One's a little bit more of just uh, almost an involuntary feeling that's going to happen, but there is this option to choose something and to make it not just this terrible, miserable thing. Yeah. So... Those are kind of our, our important terms for today's
0: episode. Well, I like them because we've talked before on previous episodes about if we're talking about our relationship with our thoughts and good old mindfulness and meditation is that I love that you can notice that you are feeling lonely mm-hmm. and then move toward what do I do to uh, achieve happiness in solitude. And then exactly. that acceptance that we've talked about, that acceptance uh-huh. doesn't mean that it's apathy. It doesn't mean, well, here we go. This is it for the rest of my life. But it's that acceptance that this is how I'm feeling and this is what I can do in this moment and that can be present. And I mean, that's, this is great. Yes, yeah,
1: exactly. Um, And I also feel like I want to just note that, because obviously now you can gather from the beginning here that I'm going to be encouraging solitude to some extent Mm -hmm. and saying that it's a good thing, but that's obviously not to say don't be in a relationship and don't have friends and don't be around people because those are all good, important things. But I also want to highlight the kind of beauty of being content with yourself right yeah and being by yourself and that it's not the end of the world <laughs> if you're in a time where you are alone so
0: Mackie I just this is the way my my mind works is I was thinking of oh it's like active solitude and then I thought we could come up with an acronym and then the first one that came to my mind was like active solitude solution like a s and I stopped
1: there it is <laughs> A t-shirt. <laughs> no. It's like,
0: throw it on a, no, it's not. So we
1: can make a logo.
0: <laughs> no, then we won't be able to get any kids to go with us to any movies.
1: <laughs> so we'll workshop that one a little bit. Okay.
0: But active <laughs> solitude is good, but maybe not. Maybe solitude. that's it.
1: Maybe yeah. something else after that. Okay. But yeah. So again, this is something that I experience often um, because I think for me, my, my twenties have been a lot lonelier than I thought twenties would be, which I don't know if that's, for a lot, everyone or more, you know, I don't know, but I think it's been this combination of, cause I, I moved away from my family, right. At mm-hmm. 18 and I've been states away ever since. And then I jumped into my career at a very mm-hmm. young age. The circus. I
0: was, and then when the circus didn't pan out, then you went to beauty, uh-huh. beauty, beauty then school. I, then
1: I went to hair school yeah. and then, you know, and then I, I was healing from an abusive, scary relationship at a very mm-hmm. early age. And then, my closest friends all happened to get married like within a year of each other.
0: <laughs>
1: yeah. And then I I went through a faith transition mm. and I also just have a very introverted personality. So you put all those things together, the 20s have been kind of lonely. And awesome. And that's the thing though. That's what we're making <laughs> them
0: awesome. The dad, right? <laughs> that's a dad in me. That's oh, it's I know. You're good, like, But Mackie. it's good. You're fine, right? right? You're good.
1: <laughs> no, but that's what we're going to talk about. That it's okay. Yeah, exactly. It is okay. It's okay. okay. Even though loneliness is a very uncomfortable feeling, um, but it is, I think, a feeling that everyone has experienced. And again, I think you For being sure. a therapist, I'm sure you might like this has to come up.
0: Mackie, it's so much of what you're saying, even with the way you just said that, it's, it's uncomfortable. And we've talked about, you. we are not wired to sit with discomfort, but that's one of the best mm-hmm. places for growth. And when people feel uncomfortable, that's, I mean, I work in the world of addiction. People turn to unhealthy coping mechanisms because they feel uncomfortable. And so when we can really learn what we can do with that discomfort, that is 100% where growth can occur, but it's uncomfortable and we don't want it. So we're really good at getting rid of it.
1: Right. Yeah. Which I've talked to you about this before too, but I do feel like loneliness, out of all the feelings I've ever felt, loneliness is one of the harder ones to distract from or just Mm. shove down. But the goal is actually not to distract from and shove down. We will talk about that. There's an article in Psychology Today called How to Turn Loneliness into Sweet Solitude. And it's from 2011. So get wow. this: people have been lonely for a long time. Since it's even not just then. a new thing. Even when I was 11, but the author, her name is Tony Bernard.
0: Is it spelled with an I?
1: Yeah, it could be Tony.
0: No, it's it Tony. Tawny, but when but people, but I get people that will still spell mine with an I, and it, it, it is something I notice. See, I was going to say it infuriates me, but that is yeah, a choice it's that just I would. Something you. I notice. notice that it is something. It is a thing. That's funny.
1: Yeah. Okay, so she went in and did some research on the internet, even back then in 2011, and found some. Th- <laughs> and
0: you had to crank things. it up though, back in the day. You had a hand. The yeah. internet had a hand. I crank. can't
1: even imagine what that was like. <laughs> but she said that these are just a couple of things that people said that they found to be like treasures of solitude. Um, I love solitude because no one is making demands on me. When I'm alone, my senses are sharpened and I feel part of the rhythm of the universe. Mm. Solitude refreshes my spirit. I make my wisest decisions when I'm alone. Um, so I feel like that's just, you know, a handful of, okay. Yeah. I can see that there's some good there, right? Yeah. <laughs> there's a few things. And then philosopher, which I've never heard of this guy and I don't know how to say his name, but maybe you have Paul. Hungries. <laughs> yep. <laughs> Paul Tillich or Tillich. Mm. Any idea?
0: No, but uh, but for uh, listeners though, Paul Hungries is an inside joke. So that one probably came out of nowhere, but that's, yeah, yeah, fair enough. Hey, but I don't know that one to recommend that.
1: Yeah. I don't know. I don't, I'm not sure, but first name's Paul. Um, He said language has created the word loneliness to express the pain of being alone. And it has created the word solitude to express the glory of being alone. Mm, Okay. So that's kind of cool, right? Glory of Being alone. So again, it can be a good thing. And I think that at least in my journey of trying to, turn my loneliness into solitude. I think it really is a big, just shifting perspective type of thing. You can just shift the perspective a little bit and it makes a huge difference and takes the devastation away from loneliness. Yeah. But I think also just because like the glory of being alone, like it can be a good thing. And I think that something I'm trying to figure out myself with loneliness and feeling lonely and being alone, being seen, is that being alone does not take away from your worth yeah. or your value. And it doesn't mean that anything is wrong with you, <laughs> which I think is a, is hard to not feel that way if you are having kind of a spiral of the lonelies. <laughs> yeah. But again, it does not take away from your worth. It is not something that is wrong with you. It's just a thing. Like it, yeah. it really just, it's just a thing and it's not permanent. And then I know, like, just seeing, hearing things that work for other people doesn't just fix it. Yeah. But we'll talk about more good things here. But then going to Buddha, we we like Mr. Buddha. We He's do, done some yeah, good stuff. One of his noble truths is that we suffer when we. Desire for circumstances over which we have no control to be other than they are, which is kind of your act. Like,
0: yeah, it is. Sometimes things just, they just are. Yeah. 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 If we
1: don't want it, it's going to, it's going to probably be there. Yeah. If you're unwilling Uh, to
0: accept it, you will have it. If it's, yeah. Exactly.
1: Exactly. So this author, Tony, she then went on to create a list of her own things with solitude that she thinks are good. Um, And she said, the quiet soothes my mind. Being alone heightens my power of observation. I notice details around me that I'd otherwise ignore, like the play of sunlight on the ceiling or leaves floating in the air on a breezy day. I'm more productive when I'm alone because I can follow a train of thought more easily, especially when I'm trying to write. Being alone allows me to let my body dictate the rhythm of the day, when to nap, when to eat, when to write or crochet. I can watch whatever I want on television. Yes. (laughs)
0: I have a thought. It's so interesting that I love meditation and I'm kind of, especially the last three or four months, I found a new meditation app and I'm just, I cannot tell you how much I really like it. But then I have a men's group and I have a couple of people that will come in studio and then it's an online group. And we've been trying to do just a tiny little meditation beforehand because so many people just don't do it. And I cannot, I cannot do it when somebody else is in the room. And it's so interesting because I notice that is something that I just thrive in when I am doing it on my own. Because if yeah. somebody else is in the room, then I just worry. I still worry, even though I know I shouldn't and all those things, but about what this other person is thinking or doing, are they watching? Are they not? And I thought about that concept you just said recently. I feel like I like as if I never have before of what are the things that I can do in solitude. And I don't know if you know this, but I I love writing. I write a lot, but yeah. then I bought a privacy screen for my laptop screen. Um, because I just, even if I'm sitting in bed and mom's beside me and I, it's not I like I think she's like going to, I can't, I don't if know if you know, if know you experienced
1: just there yeah, watching do you, or yeah. Do
0: you experience well, anything I, like that?
1: This just makes me, which this wasn't even when I was going to bring up the Barbie movie, but uh-huh. let's go to the Barbie movie.
0: Oh, I, um, I think I know where you're going and this is so yeah, good. I've thought so, about this, Meg.
1: Yeah. So I wanted to see the Barbie movie so bad that I somehow convinced my little scared, anxious self to go by myself Yeah, because I didn't have anyone to go with at that time. And so I, I went by myself. I went to a movie by myself and it was scary, but it was the best experience I've ever had in my whole life. And I did, I then called you afterward and I was telling you about it. And I told you that I didn't even notice that I did this, but in the past, whenever I've gone out and gone to a movie, if I'm with people, I actually end up spending like the entire movie just worried about everyone around me. The whole movie, I'm just like, okay, do they like it? Are they bored? Are they having fun? Are they wishing we could leave? Is do, this do they want some popcorn so or do they want Literally, everything? I'm like, are they everything. good? Are they comfortable? And I realized like kind of the people pleaser in me just kind of does that the whole time. But then I went to the Barbie movie by myself and I had the best movie experience I've ever had. Not just because it was a good movie, but just because I was just there to enjoy the beauty of what the movie was and yeah. to just be by myself, focused on the movie. And I didn't have to worry about anyone else around me. I didn't have to worry about what feelings I was having. Like there were parts that made me cry. And I wasn't like, my little brother is going to look at me crying and make fun of me. Right. It was, it was yeah. like, no, I'm just, I'm here and I'm feeling things. And n- yeah, no worry past that, which was amazing. And only came because I was by myself. It would I, not I, have, I would not have had that experience had I been
0: no, and after you did that, people. I because I, I love movies, they're my happy place. And I think I yeah. had shared with you that when I went to college, there was a dollar yeah. theater. I went out at Manhattan, Kansas State. I was trying to play baseball. I'd had mm. some friends die. I had been run over by a boat. All the typical stories when people <laughs> are starting in college. <laughs> and I remember I would go to every single movie, every single week. And most uh-huh. of the time it was by myself. And it would just, yeah. all of a sudden, I'm lost in that theater. And it was the one yeah. I still to this day. So I've been to plenty on my own. And But then I never told you after you talked about that bar, experience I was listening to a movie reviewer podcast and he just happened to mention that he said how hard it was to get a seat or that sort of thing and then he said when he goes he has to sit he likes to sit in the same area and he said I always go by myself the first time so that I can take it in exactly how you said and I thought that was really neat because he didn't want to have to worry about anything else
1: okay yeah it's interesting yeah Yeah. which so if you've never been to a movie by yourself highly recommend pretend
0: you're a reviewer right?
1: Sure. You have to. That's, yeah. That's, and the bring a notepad. Nobody, yeah. Nobody actually knows that you're there alone and nobody cares. So, Yeah. Nobody cares. Go, exactly. Yeah, nobody cares. So just go and experience that. I had a friend tell me just the other day that they went and saw a movie by themselves because their partner was busy and mm-hmm. it was the most amazing experience. I was like, see, yeah. it's really cool. <laughs> yeah. So I highly recommend it. But I think you know, with that, it's still, yes, there are amazing things like that, but it's still normal. I think to be, if you are single or you don't have a ton of friends or your partner's away or busy or whatever it is, it's so normal to still crave affection and attention and Absolutely. just want to be around people. Like, I think for me, the hardest part about being single or honestly, the, the only hard part about being single really is just like, if I get home and I've had a really busy day or a really hard day and there's nobody there for like, talk to about it. Right. Yeah. Nobody yeah. Just nobody to hug when I get home. Yeah. And like, I just had a crappy day. And so that part doesn't just magically become nothing. Yeah. When leaning into kind of solitude. Um, because I think as human, I feel like we weren't designed to just be alone mm-hmm. personally. And I think I've been working on just trying to kind of make, make space for that, let myself feel. But anyways, the, the author in this article kind of hits on that um, and says, I still get lonely on occasion and long for company of others when. Tillich's pain of being alone overtakes me. I don't resist it. Resistance just makes the loneliness harder to bear. Instead, I direct compassion at myself, sometimes repeating a phrase such as, it's hard to be alone when you want to be with people, or it's tough to feel like you're missing all the fun. Um, cultivating self-compassion softens the loneliness and makes it bearable. And then I remind myself that the pain of loneliness, like all mental states, comes and goes. It's painful now, but if I'm patient, it will pass, and the sweetness of solitude will take its place. Which I really like, because again, I when I am feeling lonely, I do just try to distract myself or shove it down or yeah. you know, get away from the feeling in any way. And then it does typically just make it worse. Yeah. And so I like this idea of not resisting it and actually allowing yourself to feel it again, even though it's uncomfy, but approaching it with kindness and compassion. And then just the, the concept of Letting it be, yeah, (laughs) and just letting it be a feeling, letting it be thoughts. Um, but ultimately, being kind to yourself and reminding yourself, like I was saying earlier, that there is nothing wrong with you, Mm -hmm. and it doesn't mean anything bad about you or towards you. And then just the reminder that it's a privilege to be able to feel things just in general, yeah, (laughs) good and bad, uncomfy and not. Which you know, so it's okay. I and again, I just Read that for the first time not too long ago, so I feel like I haven't had a chance to really try this yet. Like, try not resisting it and try just feeling it. So for all I know, it'll be so scary and so uncomfortable. But I'm almost like excited to try to to try to feel that and be okay. Um, because I think that ma- the way like phrases all of that just makes it seem like you can. Well, that's feel one it of the- and be okay.
0: I mean, that, that's one of the biggest things I think that I feel like I'm screaming in every podcast with every client, yeah. but then they're saying, I still don't know what I, I need to do. How do I not feel that way? Or And that's where I just right. say, oh, it's by not trying to not feel it. It's by noticing and accepting. And I feel it. I do feel it. Here's what it feels yeah. like. Some people feel it in their chest. Some people feel it in their tummy. Some people feel it in their head. Some people feel it all over. And I notice it because the one of the genesis or origin stories of our feelings are that as a kid, I mean, we're having feelings and thoughts and emotions and they're there to warn us and to protect us. And, but even the best parent is continually saying, you know, don't worry about it. Not now. It's not a big deal. They didn't mean it. What did you do? Yeah. And so we're just conditioned over and over again to just stuff those feelings down. So part of, I think what this concept is, you're an adult human being now and start letting yourself feel. And, and it is, and it, you can feel and you can be scared and you can also be upset and angry, but then you can also feel joy and pain and all of the things instead of, I don't want to feel that. So I'm going to avoid everything I can because I don't want to have to feel that again. So this
1: is, yeah. And again, feeling, feeling things is, it's an opportunity and it's a privilege and it's something that it's a cool thing that we get to do. And it's what makes us human. Even again, that though it is uncomfortable some of the time, a lot of the time. But I think, yeah, it's it's part of this life. I think you there's no reason to go through your whole life just trying to shove everything down. And no. that includes loneliness. It's another feeling that just happens and it's okay to just let it be. And it's okay to feel your feelings. It's good to feel your feelings.
0: Well, and I think this is what starts to then get into the It's also your body trying to send you signals and warn Mm -hmm. you. And so people that stay in bad relationships often are the ones that feel bad about feeling like they can't open up to their spouse or feeling bad about that. Maybe that maybe I'm the problem. So I just need to continually work on this, whatever it is, even though they may, it might be the fact that they're not able to feel the feelings or accept the feelings or listen to their feelings or go talk to somebody about their feelings as part of the problem.
1: And so it's like, let's practice that. Let's try yeah. to feel the things when we can. Um, because I do think it does. I think the more you feel your feelings, the more you do become accustomed to how your body does feel things. And then I think yeah. it maybe it softens the blow of the really heavy ones a little because you kind of know yeah. how to approach it or, you know, okay, I've felt this before and I've survived it and I've been okay. Yeah. and It didn't break me and it was just a feeling. And it was temporary. So yeah, I feel like it almost is just practice. Like you you get to practice. It's an opportunity to practice this feeling and to be okay yes. with it. And to, you know, survive another thing and turn it into something good, even yeah. um, with this idea of solitude. So it's cool to feel your feelings. It's really yeah. cool. <laughs> but I was looking at some things, actually, just went into chat GPT and just asked some questions about being alone, like a, yeah. and a
0: rutabagas or do you ask it about things like that does that count for what
1: that word was that was pretty good actually i
0: know i was sitting there thinking it's the gonna be a tough one
1: get, yeah but yeah okay. or i was okay, okay here's my one. other
0: part okay <laughs> right, Check my other one then and then back to you Mackie, but it was gonna be hey so i don't want to interrupt your flow so um the safe word today will be rutabaga so whenever you say rutabaga then i'll jump into the self-love deficit and self-love abundance Let's see so there we go that
1: was smart that would have been so Thank smart you. Because but I just did that. has been very natural. Yeah. Okay. Okay. You just got in there twice. Thank you. Okay. So I just asked some tips on how to deal with loneliness. Um, and ChatGPT gave me a few, and I just picked a few that I liked. But this first one, I think you'll like it. But it was it's carve out time to let your mind wander, mm-hmm. which I think is interesting because it's almost like mindfulness, but not. Yeah. Because you're not just bringing yourself back to your breath; you're letting your mind. Wander and you're, I think you're practicing being by yourself, right? You're practicing being comfortable with your own thoughts and with what's going on. And it, and so I then kept this up in another website and whatever. And it was just, there was this whole formula of okay, start with five minutes, like just do five yeah. minutes, let your mind do whatever it wants to do and then stop there. And then to do this here and there in practice, again, to make yourself just more comfortable with being by yourself.
0: Oh, wait, before you get... Okay, first thing. So I do that. I call that one catch and release. I don't know why, but I... So then the release is just let my thoughts go. And then the catch is... And I'm not a fisherman, but apparently sometimes you catch a fish and then you let it go. And yeah, but so then I do that with my thoughts. So even when I'm doing mindfulness, that sometimes you will have a... There's different ones that I've done, different apps where sometimes they will say, okay, now just let your mind go wherever it wants to and do whatever yeah. it wants to do. And I always like that part because then you gently bring yourself back to the the present. So that part is really fun. And it, it is, I call it, yeah, catch and release. Uh, release yeah. those thoughts and feelings and catch them back, bring them back yeah. in.
1: and because I think it's nice because it's not enough to make you start like spiraling or having mm. any crazy thoughts. It's just enough to practice it and to just be and just... Let yeah. your brain check that
0: Check that do. out. There's a lot of check that <laughs> out. Yeah, yeah. Yeah,
1: exactly. Um, Which is actually very beneficial to getting to know yourself and getting really to know your mind and your body work. So I think that's cool. Next thing, which this is when the Barbie movie was going to come in and I was going to tell the story that I already did, but it's okay. to take yourself on dates. Oh, which I was, like, like that. That was kind of me taking myself on a date and I haven't quite built up the courage to do like Go out and eat somewhere by yourself, but that's often a thing where it's like, go to your favorite restaurant by yourself and yeah, Eat because nobody cares. It's right? funny about nobody that.
0: Cause I, when I used to travel a lot, I would mm-hmm. do, I loved going to a movie and dinner when I was out yeah. and about, and that was in the days of these things called books. And so you would like ah. bring a book and you would read the book <laughs> thing.
1: Yeah.
0: And, but then nowadays you can just go because you are kin up.
1: There it is. Thank you. <laughs> and goodbye. <laughs> <Thanks> <laughs> <much> <laughs> yeah, good night everybody. <laughs> but yeah, that's <laughs> And so it's a, it's a cool thing. And so that's when I need to, I need to get the courage and do it at some point, but that's a cool one. So yeah, take yourself on dates. You don't need another person. You don't need a group of friends. You can still do all the things you want to do. Um, and then the next one was just to lean into all the perks and it said, take up all the space, which I liked. And you can take up all the space when you're alone. You don't have to accommodate for anyone. Yeah. Yeah. Okay. I got a queen bed. I could sleep on it however I want.
0: The, this I way, the on one side. way. Yeah, exactly. Uh, right. Yeah.
1: Starfish around, spin around, <laughs> anything I want. <laughs> Starfish. Fine. I
0: heard that. That's funny.
1: But yeah. And then it just you know, wanted to say, learn new things and pick up new hobbies because you do then have this time to do cool things. Okay. And then I want to hit this from a different, from a more of a relationship point okay. of view. But obviously, like I've said, I'm coming at this as somebody who is single and doesn't have a crazy social life, so I feel like I'm not the most qualified for this side of it. So this is where you gotta step up, dude. Okay. Okay, I'm ready. But there's this article on Apple News called Don't Let Love Ruin Your Life. And I'm gonna read this paragraph here. Um it says finding love is a beautiful, lucky thing. And some research suggests that shared time, at least up to a certain point, can make partners happier. But there's only so much time in a day and the minutes you spend alone with your partner are minutes not spent deepening connections with friends and relatives or building new bonds, not spent relishing the pleasures of solitude or enjoying whatever interests are uniquely yours. If you build a life with your relationship at the center, everything else gets pushed to the perimeter. There's a way to maintain what I think of as love life balance to preserve your identity and autonomy while nurturing a caring partnership. Losing that balance can be damaging for a person, for a relationship, and for society. Not only can your relationships with others suffer when you're too focused on your partner, so can your relationship with yourself. Some researchers refer to this as lack of Mm self-differentiation or a clear sense of who you are. More differentiated partners can support one another without losing sight of their own desires. But if you're not doing the activities you would do, seeing the people you would see, or pursuing the goals that you would if you were single those untended parts of your life can start to wilt. Um, which I know it's slightly, I feel like there's a lot of tangents that could be
0: oh, it was good. That could come yeah. from
1: this. But I just I think that it's I like how it kind of circles back and brings up the benefits of solitude and being on your own and doing the things that are you and not getting lost in a relationship. Yeah. And so I feel like that's something you see and deal with. So I kind of want, I don't know, your take on it, anything that Made you think of I mean,
0: anything there? I mean, I don't mean to say like all the things, but yeah, but. but I just pulled up over on this other screen. I just ironically did the two three, two episodes, one on my virtual couch, one on my waking up to narcissism, all about differentiation. Because I feel, because that is a concept, it's such a uh, often used word in psychology, but I think it's also just lightly understood. And so for anybody that's watching this on uh, YouTube, so I'm going to do something with my hands. And so this is (laughs) where I I always (laughs) say that, you know, we become kind of by nature, we're codependent and we're enmeshed And so that's because of our fear of abandonment or fear of being alone. And so then we tend to get into relationships and we let some things slide because we think, you know what, it's probably not a big deal. Or, you know, if he likes... Pro wrestling, and I don't, but I'm, but I like him. And he says, "Do you like pro wrestling?" I probably will, so I say, "Sure, yeah, I do." And vice versa. So a lot of that kind of give and take. And then later on, if the relationship goes south, we often look at that as I I overlooked red flags, you know, or I turned red flags okay. yellow. Mm-hmm. So because then when you're codependent, and you're in mesh, so that my hands are back together again. Then you mm-hmm. start going through life, and you're having experiences, and for the first time, you have you have. Really different opinions on something. And then when you start to, so differentiate it is where, now I separate my hands, it's where one person ends and the other begins. And so differentiation, you know, is the opposite of codependent and enmeshment. You're, you're interdependent and, co- and differentiated. But in the middle, I always say there's a lot of invalidation, and that's the scary part. And that invalidation makes us feel uncomfortable. So we often jump back into that codependency or enmeshment, if that makes sense. Uh And so then we often give up ourselves because we don't want to offend the other person because they may want to leave. And I think this is that part where the thing that brings us together is that I'm sure it's not a big deal, or he probably didn't mean that, or it'll be different when we're married, or when we have kids, or when we start making money, or I'll be happy later. And then so sometimes I call it the crapshoot theory because you just don't know what you don't know. And then you're going through life and then you are two completely different human beings. So of course you're going to have different experiences. So I love that what we talked about is that by embracing solitude and you learn to discover who you are and what you like, because you're not trying to manage or caretake somebody else's emotions. Then the theory is you come into a relationship now with a little bit more of this confidence. And so then if somebody says, you know, I want to go do this thing If you really don't, then you say, man, I, you know, tell me why you enjoy that thing. And then it's like, oh, I think I'll pass, but I, but I, I want to hear all about it versus the, okay you know, even if I'm scared or I don't yeah, want to do it. There's no
1: fear of they're going to leave me. Or no, leave
0: or if they do, that, that means, me. yeah, or if yeah. they do, that's a them problem. So with differentiation, right. I pulled up a quote from, here's uh, here's Arrogance, quoting myself from my podcast, <laughs> Mackie, but, but this is from the transcript that it's a uh, differentiation doesn't mean you don't care about other people's feelings or thoughts. It just means that you can tell the difference between theirs and your own. And it's about balancing your individuality with your connection to others. And it means recognizing what emotions and thoughts are truly yours versus which ones you feel because of somebody else's influence, manipulation, emotional immaturity, or expectations. So, so like if somebody comes up and says, man, I'm so frustrated right now. And I can't believe that you didn't remember my birthday. I'll make that one up. Then it's okay. It is, that makes me feel bad. And why am I feeling bad? Well, yeah, I forgot their birthday, but that's, you know, and I own it. Yeah, my bad. I forgot it. Man, I really can't believe you didn't. I mean, that really, I, I worry that you'll never remember anything and whatever. And it's like, I just forgot your birthday. So now this is an opportunity for me to write it down in a little book or something. But when you start projecting things out to the future, that's kind of a you issue. Because I'm confident that I can learn things and I can grow. And so I appreciate that. But the fact Mm -hmm. that you're kind of going on and on, that's a you issue. So differentiation is learning that I can maintain a relationship with this person and I don't have to break down their reality. And I don't even really have to defend myself. And so yeah. you start and to so recognize. Just, yeah, just be. Yeah, my and bad. Be an
1: individual person. And that's what I think, which again, correct me if I'm wrong here from a relationship standpoint, but I feel like with this type of thing, if you aren't really your own person in the relationship and you do just do, be, you, you become this very meshed together, like yeah. just this we, I feel like then it is the thing where then say your partner has to leave for a work thing or something and they're gone for they're gone for a while. And then that then you are left feeling like empty and you don't know what to do with yourself. And you don't know like I feel like I've seen this Louis. with friends, with clients, where they end up then feeling so lonely and so alone when really it's like, no, this is an opportunity for you to like yeah. to be and do the things that you like to do. But they are so connected there or not even dependent dependent, dependent on this other person that then when they do experience any moment where they're not with that person, it is the end of the world. And it genuinely is like, I don't know how to function. And so it's, I feel like there's just, there's a way to, to, again, like I said, this love life balance where there's a way to still be you and be okay when you're on your own yeah, while still being connected.
0: Right. Mackie, Mackie, I just did a screen share. Is that working? Yeah,
1: this is, yeah, I can see. How
0: crazy is this, right? So look at this thing. And this is from this uh, person, Ross Rosenberg, that really, I really like his work, but this self-love deficit disorder pyramid. And he talks about, and he's talking more about, you know, in the world of narcissism, but I talk about instead of narcissism, even we're talking about emotional immaturity. But yeah. if you talk about attachment trauma, And it occurs when a child is raised, and we don't even have to call it a narcissistic parent, but if a child was raised to not necessarily feel loved or respected or cared for or safe, then love is conditional or judgmental, and that causes this core shame, and it's a belief of being fundamentally bad or flawed, and that leaves somebody feeling only good when they take care of others while ignoring themselves. So if you look at this, I know we'll put this maybe in show notes or something, but this is so wild because these are the phrases over here, I'm only as good as what I do or do not do for others. Like People start to feel like they are a human doing. And that phrase right. is so powerful, and which leads to these excruciating feelings of worthlessness and loneliness, and this pathological loneliness. I've done episodes on that Mac, and that one, like that one, hits because yeah. pathological loneliness, which then leads up to loneliness, ache or withdrawal, subsides with drug of choice, narcissistic lover or emotionally immature, mm-hmm. which then leads to selfless, compulsive caretaker who habitually attempts to, and this is what feels sad. It's like controlling others into loving them. Like I will, I will do whatever I have to do to get somebody to love wow. me at the cost of myself. Now we scroll down here and this is what I was saying when I heard about today's topic, this is so good because when you resolve that attachment trauma, you know, you do the work, whether it's therapy or what it looks like to then recognize you are kin up. <laughs> of course. I mean, the wrong time to use it, but then it leads up to this core self love. I am lovable because I am, I don't have to work at being loved. And I think that's what you develop from solitude and from finding yourself and from finding your career and from finding your hobbies and from like you find that through that, you know, just being and doing. And then that existential peace, look what it says right here, comfortable in your own skin. The freedom to live as an imperfect, but worthy and lovable person. And then I love this, the next up on this pyramid, mutually reciprocal relationships. So self-love, self-respect and self-care that engenders the same from others. So if somebody is not providing you with the mutually reciprocal care and love, then they can hit the bricks. Right. Right. And then up at the top of that, self-love abundance, serenity and acceptance about one's place in the world. And that, that exudes confidence. And I feel like that's what then if somebody is trying to control or manipulate you, it's like, well, who are you trying to tell me how I'm supposed to think or feel? Not
1: even going to be for a second.
0: (laughs) No. So I think that the solitude is where you start to find all of this, the foundation for self-love and self-care and self-respect. So the topic that you're talking about today is kind of deep. Right.
1: Yeah. No. And I love that. And I love the two pyramids. I feel like you can see how, like, you can just see it laid out how.
0: For real, right?
1: How how that does happen, and how somebody does go down this Mm -hmm. path there, and and kind of loses themselves. Absolutely. Doesn't it? Does not have to be like that, and you can like solitude. I think is just it's a beautiful thing in and out of relationships. Yeah. Just for humans in general, and that's crazy.
0: I'm like kind of blown away by that. I know, Mac. And it's funny because it's it's why I love doing this podcast with you, honestly, because I know whether it's as your dad or as a therapist or, but I'm not just saying it when I say that I think, I mean, and your mom and I've been married forever. We got married super young. And now I I literally, when I say crapshoot theory, it is a crap shoot because how is anyone going to Really understand who they are when they don't know who they are. And now they're trying to caretake someone else in a relationship. And so it, it breaks my heart because as a, I mean, I think I've worked with 15, 1600 couples now over the last 15 years as a couples therapist. And I, I just, it's so hard to see people that just look so good on the outside, but that, that are in my office and they make lots of money and they have lots of kids and they seem successful, but then they're still arguing about. Who, what the other person thinks, the other person should be doing, or thinking, or feeling, yeah. and that right, and and that's where it just seems so immature. And you wanted to strip back and say, "How about you just give each other a chance to just be and do and be curious about about each other's experience?" Right. Yeah,
1: that's so yeah, Oh, easy. but yeah. So I just I think solitude is really cool. I think it's yeah, and I think it's something that. Again, in a relationship or out, it's so important to just spend time with yourself and to get to know who you are and spend time doing the things that you love and pursuing goals and dreams that you have and not letting anyone take away from that or stop you from getting there. And then again, just working on self-growth because I think you never stop growing as a person. And so it's really cool when you start to because again i'm just figuring this out right but it's really yeah. cool when you start to lean into the self growth and you start to get to know who you are and not only that but start to love who you are and and it's so cool to come from a point if you don't feel like that to then get to a point where you start to mm-hmm. and you know to notice those changes and notice like okay wait i'm i am a good person and i am worthy and i am like lovable yeah. and there's nothing wrong with me in the sense of like just who i am and It's I don't know. It's just, it's a really cool thing. But again, going back to just if you are at a point where you feel alone in any sense of the word, I think just to note that you don't have to just be lonely then. You don't Mm -hmm. have to just sit there and feel lonely because I think within the practice of solitude, there is... Mm -hmm know, this reflection and self-discovery and there's peace and quiet and there's creativity, inspiration, personal growth, inner peace, reduced social pressure, mindfulness, emotional stability, and that list goes on and on. And, on. and it's just, it's not all bad. Mm. And really most of it is good, Yeah, <laughs> which is just interesting because again, it's not something that I think is looked at that way or phrased that way. Usually, usually you hear lonely or alone and it's all bad, but yeah. again, it's really not. And then I think going back to this, just no feeling is final, knowing that being alone or feeling lonely is temporary. And so I think it's really cool to look at um, as an opportunity, because, yes. which is hard to do, but because you don't know how long, like I just think there's life can change so quickly. Yeah. And for all you know, in a week you're going to meet somebody and then yeah. that's going to change your life in one way or another. And then all of a sudden, like I think of this for me, it's like I could meet someone anytime and then, be married and have kids and not, you know, it's like my life could change so quick where it'd be so easy to get to a point where then I'd be like, man, I wish I had just like five minutes to myself.
0: Oh, right? that's funny. Yeah. And I think that, happens, that's a really funny and that point. happens
1: to a lot of people where it's like, this is not forever. And they're yeah. probably realistically, there will be a time in my life where I maybe think I could go for one of those days where it was just me. And so again, I think it's a way to look at it as an opportunity and then to take that time and utilize it. And whether that's doing something you love, like for me, then if I get in that headspace, I'm like, "Hey, then I'm going to, I'm going to whip out my sketchbook and I'm going to start painting and I'm going to play the piano more and I'm Mm, going to watch the silly shows I like to watch or do just whatever the little silly things that you like to do. It's like, Hey, this is time that you get to do that. And yeah.
0: there's and, and the, and the more you do those, no, and I like that because the more you do those things, the more that is what you like to do. And so when you show up in yeah. a relationship, then I, Hey, by the way, I'm bringing these things I like to do along with me. And if right. your partner is not curious, if that person is not curious about those things, that's yeah. the part, again, as you build this self-love abundance, then that is so much a them issue. And I am not going to defend my love of these, the things I love, because yeah. if you're not, if my, if the person I'm trying to get in a relationship with is not, wanting to just know more and discover more about me. If they're trying to control me, oh my gosh, Mac, love or control in an adult relationship, not both one or the other, you know?
1: And so it's like, then you're just approaching that in the perfect way to know exactly what's like, we're not doing this. Yeah. I'm not going to give up my little, the little hobbies I have and the little things I like to do. And so then you do, you can keep doing those things. Yep. Yep. Yeah. But yeah. So I just feel like if, you know, again, if you are in a position where you are alone or feeling a little lonely right now, feel it, Mm. (laughs) embrace it, You can cry a little bit if you have to, but know that you have the power to turn your loneliness into something good, right? And that any of these feelings aren't forever. They just, they're not forever and they can be good. So I have one more thing I'll read, but before I do that, do you have anything? You want to add no, anything? I, I just. Or do you feel like? We,
0: no, yeah. I just. I feel like I want to force one thing into the agenda because, quite frankly, yeah. I want to probably run this episode uh, as a bonus episode on my Waking Up the Narcissism okay, yeah. podcast because mm-hmm. I think that you can be in a relationship, and you said it at the beginning, and I think it was so well said, but you can feel this way in a relationship, and all of these things apply even if you're in a relationship and feeling lonely within it, because mm-hmm. when I talk about over on that in, in that world of narcissism and emotional immaturity. Uh, It's absolutely that you don't know what you don't know and you have to learn. You have to understand there are things that one can do, but then just know that your default is still going to be, but I'm not doing them. And it's okay because I think you can start to even dream and or hope or you can start to, when you have a few minutes of solitude, then you can start to just even look at the things that you might enjoy. And so it's all this process and to get all deep and nerdy or the process (laughs) of becoming is, you know, we didn't know what we didn't know and now we know, but we really don't do much about it. And that's one of the Mm -hmm. hardest places to be, but the place that we're in the longest, because our default is to just keep doing what we're doing. So you go from, I didn't know what I didn't know to now I know, but I don't do very often to then I do more than I don't. And eventually you become, and that process of becoming, you show up completely different, even in a relationship. And then that is either going to bring change in the relationship or give you the courage to do whatever you need to do that's best for you and maybe even your kids or whatever that looks like in a relationship. Yeah. Yeah. That's all I'm saying. You take it home. Yeah.
1: Okay. Yeah. No, it's, that's huge. Cause yeah, it does. Even the things we're saying, this is what you do if you're alone or single or it's like, no, you can also do that in the relationship mm-hmm. you're in and you can make changes. Now it's, you're not stuck. Absolutely. You're not stuck in any way. Okay. Last thing I'm going to read is just, I actually literally saw this on, tiktok last night just came up and i was like this is the way to end it Um, okay it says i think the thing that makes me the most emotional in life is the realization that everything i have and everything i see has been touched by other people someone designed the logo of my favorite tea bags and someone decided which painting should go in the calendar hanging on my wall someone built the roof above my head and someone paved the street outside my house someone made this pair of glasses specific for me someone picked the pair i ate with my lunch and someone designed my favorite sweater Every book I read, every song I listen to, every film I watch, tens if not hundreds of people had to be there to make it happen. Even if I am alone, I am always surrounded by other human beings, a fact that makes my heart squeeze in on itself every time I remember it. Oh. Mic drop. Isn't oh, that so?
0: Yeah. I know
1: even if you feel alone, you're not alone at all. You're really not.
0: No. Let me unscrew my mic and I can drop it. It might seem to take me a couple <laughs> minutes though. Okay. Everyone, or you need on. to. <laughs> hold on. I can drop this lavalier mic oh again gosh. though. I'll do it. Okay. Yeah, do that. It's... I, it's a little pricey. I'm going to set this thing down. Oh,
1: okay. Gently set it
0: down. Ready? Okay. There you go. Thanks, man. Incredible.
1: Okay. Thanks for feeling feelings with us. Um, and we'll talk soon.